This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. How's everybody doing today? We're right in the middle of a four-week series called Back to Life. Really, kind of what we're doing is looking at the reality of the resurrection of Jesus, right? The, the, the truth that Jesus defeated death in the grave, that, that that should have implications in our lives today, right? If, if God has promised us life, many of us would look and say, I, I don't know, even though I'm breathing and I'm, I'm living, I don't know that I'm alive. And so what we want to do is to spend a few weeks kind of examining that. Just a few things I want to point to, uh, point you to as we get ready to start today. Uh, the first one is just in a couple weeks, Mother's Day, May the 10th, we'll be doing baby dedication. Okay, so if you have uh, a new baby that you'd like to dedicate uh, to the Lord in front of our church family, as a part of our church family, we'd be honored to do that. You can sign up at guest services for that. Um, also on June the 7th, so this is a ways away, but June the 7th we have one of my favorite moments in the year. Uh, we call it family prom. It's basically just a big party, all right? That's what it is. We have a, a lot of fun together. Rent the senior center downtown. It's DJed. It's catered. We just come and have a great time with us that night, all right? Um, but that morning, June the 7th, we're having baptism. And there's a lot of you that in the last few years, you've made a real solid decision to follow Jesus, all right? So baptism is a chance for us to celebrate that decision. What's happened inwardly, we get to celebrate it outwardly, all right, with our friends and family. So if you're that person, you've made that decision, you can sign up at guest services or use your connection card today. So I want to take you to a verse that we have used really as the basis for this series. It's Jesus speaking at the very beginning of the book of Revelation. So Jesus is speaking to the apostle John, right? So the disciple John that had walked with him, that's seen all of this, have watched him literally get crucified, has been charged with taking care of his mom, now has experienced the resurrected Jesus. And so he is again visited by Jesus and giving this grand vision that kind of closes out the, the entirety of Scripture. And in Revelation 1, Jesus speaking to John, he says, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died. But look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Y'all think about that with me. Jesus is saying, I hold the keys to death and the grave. In, in the Gospel of John, Jesus is speaking with a, a young woman who has kind of just wrecked her life. And basically what he tells her is, I'm the resurrection line. Even, even if you've blown it, I can bring you back to life. And he says in this brief moment, this conversation with John, he says, look, look at me. I hold the keys to life. I, I can get you out of death. I can get you out of hell. And some of you today, if you looked at your life and you're honest, you just truthfully say, hey, you know what? Right now, that's where I'm living. I'm breathing. I've got a, a decent job and I'm eating every night. But right now, my life is dead. 
And so for the last few weeks, we've endeavored to ask God, God, what would that look like? And so in the first week, we, we realized that God wants to give us a life, that the life that God wants to in, in kind of awaken inside of us is a life of joy, right? Joy is something that happens on the inside. Happiness is really what happens on the outside, but joy is on the inside. God wants us to live with joy. He wants to give us permission to laugh again, even if we're in the middle of a storm. And then last week, we looked at, at the reality that, that if we live without vision, if our lives don't have a dream to them, if we don't see where God's taking us, if God hasn't given us a, a God-sized dream, it's impossible to live, right? And so God, God pushed us that direction to dream again, that we by his grace and mercy might have dreams and live by this. And this week, I promise you that this week is for every person in this room. And for some of you, you need this talk, and you need it a long time ago, but you get it today, all right? Because, see, sometimes death comes quickly. And we see that happen in some people's lives that we love. We watch them make catastrophic failures, right? And that, that sin, that just a really devastating sin, well, it brings about a season of death in their life. But sometimes death comes on slow perhaps so slow that you don't even notice it. And I'm afraid that there's a lot of us in the room. That's exactly where we are. I feel like we're alive. We're doing everything that we knew to be alive. But on the inside, we're dead. See, as the book of Revelation opens, Jesus, in speaking with John, he, he writes these letters to churches that are in existence, right? He writes letters to them, and basically, in, in some ways, he kind of calls them out on some things, and then he encourages them in some ways. And as Revelation chapter 3 opens, Jesus is writing a small note to the church in Sardis, and I want you to see what he says there, beginning in verse 1, Revelation chapter 3, I know all the things you do, and that you have a reputation for being alive but you're dead. So wake up. Strengthen what little remains for what is left is almost dead. Y'all, I want you to understand that there's some passages in Scripture that should scare us, that should intimidate us a little bit. And this is one of those. Because it points to a church, a group of people, and Jesus says, look, I see what you're doing. To everybody around you, you look alive. But you're dead on the inside. Let me just kind of translate for you, all right? Jesus is saying, hey, you know what? I see you. You're going to small groups. You got your Bible studies going on. You're waking up every morning. You're having your devotional time. You're worshiping in the car. You got your K-love going, right? I see it. I see what you're doing. And it looks to everybody that's around you, it looks like you're alive. But you're dead. He continues. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. So go back to what you heard and believed at first. 
hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. You see, Jesus says, this is kind of a last-ditch effort to help you wake up and realize where you are because death sometimes comes slowly. You kind of see that as it happened on the east coast of Africa in 2011. 2008, 2009, 2010, the phenomenon known as El Nino uh, kept the rainy season from happening on the east coast of Africa the way that it typically does every year. Okay? So they experience a, a dry season and then a rainy season. But because of this uh, astro- or kind of atmospherical event, right, the rainy season was postponed for several years. And so in 2011, it hit a tipping point. And countries like Somalia and its surrounding areas went into a catastrophic drought. Where without rain and significant amount for years, their capacity to grow crops and produce food and, and even have livestock and those kind of things that sustain life in an area, well, it just began to drop off substantially. The people who lived in Somalia began to flee, right, because they couldn't get enough food. The death estimates for that drought, simply, uh, simply just because there was not enough rain, range from almost 10,000 or 10 million to 15 million people that died between 2011 and 2012 just because they get, didn't get enough rain. See, drought's one of those things that it comes on slowly, but when it hits... It's a devastating death. And I think that there's many of us today that are living in our own personal droughts. And I want to go through the five reasons that scientists list that we experience in our climate, that we experience drought. And I want you to see some parallels in our own personal lives as to why we might be going through a drought. The first one is, number one, a normal, routine, dry season. There are parts of our world that literally will go through three or four months and will not have rain. That's normal for them, right? And you need to understand that in our lives, there's some normal times that we're going to go through dry seasons. Can I just be vulnerable for a moment? My family's been in one of those for a couple years because we have two small kids, right? My son is just a little over 18 months right now. That means that going on about three and a half years now, we haven't slept through the night one time, right? That means every time we want to go somewhere, every time we want to go out to eat or we want to travel somewhere, it's ridiculously complicated. All right? There is no quiet time. There is no sleeping in. None of that right now. Right? It's a dry time. Right? And some of you have been through dry seasons of your own, and you know what I'm talking about. Seasons, long seasons where it just feels difficult. And it's not always brought on by something that you did. It's just sometimes part of life. The second reason that we can experience a doubt is because of weather patterns, right? As 
What I described earlier, El Nino is one of those that has caused that uh, internationally before. We experience that actually every summer because off the coast of North Carolina and South Carolina, we have what's called a Bermuda High that develops most of our summers. And it actually forces that high pressure system, forces most of our rain systems to go around the Carolinas. So our Julys and Augusts are normally drier than the rest of the year. Right? They're a weather pattern. How many of y'all know that we get storms in life? Right? There's storms that blow up in life. Right? And we weren't expecting them. We weren't expecting things to change, but it changed. Number three, erosion and human interference. Right, right now, actually, climatologists would say that we're, we're in danger of experiencing significant drought in the Amazon rainforest because of how we have cut down portions of it. Right? Human interference can cause a drought. Y'all realize this, right? We blow it sometimes, and sometimes our failures in life begin a drought season for us. Y'all with me on that? That sometimes we don't get it right. So when we don't get it right and the drought begins, we need to understand that sometimes we, we are the cause of that. Number four, climate change. Climate change. And I don't know whether you're on that bandwagon or not on that bandwagon, but let me just talk about that for, for us personally as believers in Jesus. Y'all need to understand that we live in a world where the climate as a believer in Jesus is shifting. You know, for, for our parents and for our grandparents, they lived in a culture and a society that affirmed a biblical Christianity. That's a good thing. Go for it. It doesn't mean that everybody did it, but it was kind of recognized across the board as being a good thing. Fastest growing religion in the world right now is Muslim, right, is Islam. Right? One third of all Muslims worldwide are what we call radicalized Muslims. Right, that has led to groups like ISIS, which we see has emerged in the Middle East and is killing Christians. It means we have brothers and sisters worldwide who are being executed simply because they have faith in Jesus. Y'all need to understand, we live in a world where the climate for us as believers and followers of Jesus is shifting. And the last reason, this is the primary reason that we experience drought is precipitation deficiency. There's something called the rain cycle, the water cycle, right? It rains, the rain evaporates, goes back up into cloud form, then drops back down as rain, kind of continues to recycle itself. See what happens when it quits raining? When the rain slows down, so precipitation in that cycle begins to create a deficiency. Really, that's just fancy words to say it's not raining enough. And I think that there's many of us in life right now that are experiencing drought in our personal life because we haven't experienced the kind of rain in our souls that God wants to give us. So I want you to look at what Jesus said to the woman at the well in John 4 when they're talking about drawing water and living the kind of life that God wants us to give. In John 4, 14, Jesus said to that woman, those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh 
bubbling spring within them, giving them an eternal life. See, eternal life isn't a dream that we have after we die. Eternal life is something that God wants to give us right now. And he promises us that if we'll come to him, if we'll drink from him, we'll, it'll be like a spring that has developed on our inside. We'll never be dry again. And some of you, you've experienced that before. You've been to that place. You've been in that place where life was sustained by a, a permanent reality of a loving God. And some of you would identify with today the reality that even though I've experienced that, even though I've experienced that life-giving spring on the inside of me, it's not like it's there right now. So what I want to do is go through five reasons why we may have stopped drinking from that fountain. And we use the life of King David. King David, as much as any of us have ever experienced resistance and difficulty in life, King David did as well. And I think that as we go through some of these statements that he's going to make, we're going to find some points of identity, some things that we kind of identify with and go, oh, that might be a reason why I walked away. That might be a reason why I stopped drinking fully from the fountain that is Jesus. The first one is unrelenting trial and temptation. Unrelenting trial and temptation. See, the thing is, is that often when we come to Jesus and we think, God, I, I'm going to give you my life. We look at it and we go, well, it's God. It's got to get better because it's God. I'm giving my life to him. This, this whole thing's got to go smoothly now, and it doesn't. There's sometimes that we enter in trials, storms in life that long after we think they should have ended, they continue to rage. David experienced that himself. See, David's anointed to be king. And the existing king has it in for him. As a matter of fact, he's going to pursue David, try to hunt him down and kill him, to take out the man that God said was next. So in Psalm 143, David writes these words. The enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in darkness like those long dead. So my spirit grows faint within me, and my heart within me is dismayed. See, sometimes we get to that point where we've seen the vision of God. We've got the dream that God wants to, and, and we've been going after, but we're living in the trial, and our hearts become dismayed, and we stop drinking from the fountain that got us there. The second reason we might stop drinking is personal tragedy. Personal tragedy. David is going to encounter some of the most difficult things that we could ever deal with. He's going to lose children, right? He's going to make some catastrophic personal failures. I mean, at one point, his own son's going to try to kill him, right? I mean, anything that you can think of, he's been through that. And the thing about 
tragedy is it kind of reveals where the foundation is in our life. And there are times in those moments that we see that David realizes that he's built his life on the wrong foundation. So we find these words in Psalm 61 verse 2. David saying, when my heart is overwhelmed, God lead me to a rock that is higher than I. God, help me build my life on a a rock that is higher than me. I can't be the foundation. It's crumbling around me. God, be my foundation. The third reason why we might stop drinking from the fountain that is Jesus is attacks from others. I got some sad things to tell you today, but they're true, and it's simply this. That you need to understand that when we come to Jesus, it's not always going to be easy. As a matter of fact... In the world that we live in, even as it was defined by Jesus, when we come to him, often we've invited a whole new level of criticism into our lives. And we think and we like to think that, you know, if I can just give my life to Jesus and start doing what what I want to do, right, to follow him and be obedient, nobody's ever going to say anything about me, but I'm sorry, that's not how it is. You want to know why? Even though those people may love you, they have an agenda for your life. It may be your mom or your dad. It may be your kids. And David experienced that, y'all. I mean, really, actually, as he comes into the story, he's experiencing that. The prophet Samuel shows up at his dad, Jesse's house, saying, hey, I'm here to find the next king. It's going to be one of your sons. If you'll just kind of get them together, I'll pray over each one of them, and God's going to tell me who it's going to be. And so they gather the sons together, and Samuel starts praying over them, and he gets all the way to the end, and he goes, it's none of these. This all of them? And the dad, Jesse, goes, well, well, yeah, I mean, there's one more, but he's out watching the sheep. I mean, from the very beginning, David deals with the attacks of others, And so he can identify, and we see that in Psalm 109. With words of hatred, they surround me. They attack me without cause. And for many of us, those personal attacks cause us to move away from the fountain that is bringing life to us and to start drinking from something that's going to kill us. Right, haters going to hate, guys. And if you drink haterade, the only thing that's going to come out of you is death. All right. Number four, working without rest. Working without rest. How many of y'all know that the Lord wants us to work hard? Y'all ought to raise your hand. All right. God wants us to work hard. All right. That's why it's called work. (laughs) All right. And anything in life that really matters isn't easy. Y'all need to just go ahead and get that. You want a good marriage? It's not easy. You want to be a good parent? It's not easy. You want to be a good boss? It's not easy. You want to be a good employee? It's not easy. Anything that's worth doing is not easy. But we have to learn to rest. We have to learn to rest. Y'all listen to this. This is important. There has to come a moment when we stop, we look back at what we've done, and we say, God, it's good enough. Listen, it, it's 
phenomenally important that we can do that. See, that's not a statement about how good we've been. It's a statement about how good God is. See, when our our heads hit the pillow at night, there needs to be a point where we look back over the day and we say, God, I'm done. What I've done is good enough, and I trust you with it because I can't do it all on my own. See, that's what rest is. If we never stop and look and say, God, I'm going to trust you to fight for me right now. God, I'm going to trust you to take the vision and run with it. God, I'm going to trust you with it. If we never stop and do that, we never rest. Because we're always living with the idea that we're responsible and somehow if we work harder, we work more, we might make it happen. Look what David says in Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. We need rest. Number five, guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. The byproduct of shame in our lives is isolation. It keeps us from opening up and being intimate with people. When we live with shame over the way we've been, and y'all need to understand that shame's not just something that we associate with with big, ultimate moral failures. Some of us are living with shame because we realize that we haven't been the kind of person God wants us to be. It's just that simple. See, shame, when it's unconfessed, becomes a a fear of of rejection. It becomes a fear of intimacy. And we sometimes will get into that situation where we've got this ridiculous amount of guilt and shame. And we turn from Jesus who is the fountain of life, and we turn to other things that we think are going to make us feel better. In Psalm 38, David speaking, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. And I'm afraid that even though some of you haven't seen it coming, right now you're in such a drought that it's almost too heavy to bear. And the kind of death that you're living right now is the kind of death that looks like you're alive on the outside, but you're dead on the inside because you haven't drank from Jesus. And he tells us that only that spring, the spring that comes from him, can sustain the life that he wants to give. See, any other spring that we decide to drink from is going to eventually run dry. You can run to a relationship, to a fix. You can run to a job. You can run to a title. You can run to all of that. But it will eventually run dry. The only way that we can live a fully satisfied life is to ultimately find our sustenance in the heart of God. So look at the invitation that Jesus gives us at the end of Revelation. All the scripture is coming to a close in Revelation 22. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus said, I, Jesus, I am both the source, listen, I'm the source of David. The guy who faced all of those things. The guy who faced his his family trying to kill him. Who faced the criticism. The guy who faced great tragedy, having lost children. The guy who faced unrelenting trials. I'm his source. 
and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. And let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. See, the invitation today is that even though we may have blown it, even today, if we're in the middle of a drought, Jesus is saying, come. Drink. I'm here for you. I've already bought it for you. It's available for you. You don't have to live this way anymore. And so I want to go through using Isaiah 55. Yes, Isaiah 55 speaks to the reality that David lived in. I want to go back and give you three keys to unlock our permission through God to drink again. The first one is that we need to respond to the invitation. We need to respond to the invitation. Isaiah 55 verses 1 and 2 says this, Is anyone thirsty? Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come. Take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. And y'all listen to me. When Jesus talks about the church in Sardis at the very beginning of Revelation, he says, I see your deeds. I see what you've done. As a matter of fact, from, a, from an airplane view, you look right. You, you're doing all the right things, but you're dead on the inside. See, sometimes we think we've got to earn the right to drink from the tree of life, right? We, we think we've got to earn the right to experience Jesus by doing it all right. See, sometimes we get this whole thing reversed in the wrong direction. We think if I can get it all right, then I can experience the life that God wants to give me. But that's exactly opposite of the way it needs to work in our lives. See, God says, come and drink. I've already paid the price. You don't have to pay anything. And as a matter of fact, all the stuff that you think you can pay, it's not actually payment. You can't earn this. I've paid the price. So come and drink. See, when we come to him and we respond to that invitation, see, somehow when we trust him and go to him first, he begins to get the things right after that in us. It's not like we got to get it right first. So we need to respond to the invitation. He's already paid the price. We need to go drink up. Number two, we need to renew our relationship with God. Isaiah 55, 3 says this. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you, listen, all the unfailing love that I promised to David. See, when we turn away from God, when we start looking to something other than Him as the source of our life, often what has happened is we've started to look for our primary source of love in the wrong place. And God made David a promise, I will be the unfailing lover of your soul. I will never fail you. I will love you. I will be the God that takes care of you. And God is saying, look at me. I know that you're dry. I know that you're living through a difficult drought, but look at me. I'm the source. 
And I promise you that I love you in a way that never fails. So we need to renew our relationship with God. And number three, we need to repent of everything that is in the way. That word repent means to turn around, to walk the other direction, to make an about face, right? I'm going down the road that's going to the wrong place, so what happens is I turn around and I go back the other direction. That's what repenting means. It's not just saying I'm sorry and keep doing the same things. That's not what repentance is. Repentance is that apologetic broken spirit, but there's action associated with it. And so we see that in Isaiah 55, beginning in verse 6, as this passage continues. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. See, if a drought persists for three or four years, the landscape starts to change. All the animals start to die or to move off. The vegetation starts to die or to move off. And eventually, if a drought persists, all you're left with is a desert. That's all you're left with. And I'm afraid that there are some of us today that have been in a drought so long that we're left with, in our hearts, a landscape that looks a lot like a desert. But you know what? Our earth is covered by spaces that at one time were deserts. And then at some point, it started raining again. And now when we go there, there's life. And I want you to know that today, if that's you, God, through his son Jesus, can be a spring in our, in our souls that provides water and life to our life. All we need to do is drink again. So as the worship team comes up, I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to ask the Lord, what does this mean for me today? That's for everybody in the room. That's something that I pray as I'm preparing the message. That's something that our staff prays, everybody that's volunteering today. We want to ask God, God, what does this message mean for me today? Maybe today you're the person that's here and you say, hey, you know, what? I'm right in the middle of a drought. I'm right in the middle of this difficult season for myself and I need, God, I need you to be that source in my life because I feel like I'm dying on the inside. And there's some of us We're here today, and we might say, you know what, God, I've been there. I felt alive. I've looked to you as my source, but I've started to look to other things. And God, I need you. I need you to be my source. So let's pray. God, today, we just thank you for the chance to be here, to be challenged by your word, to see that you have a life for us that is far beyond living through desert conditions. 
so today, God, as we pause out of busy schedules, God, as we pause out of lives that have been in chaos for many of us, we just ask you to open our eyes and our ears to what you're saying to us today. Nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. Let me ask you this question today. Are you thirsty? I don't mean today do you have a bottle of water. I mean in your soul, in, in the depths of the person that you are. Are you thirsty? Are you longing for a life that you know you don't have right now? Because if you are, all we have to do is make the decision to say, God, I want you to be my source. I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. Some of you, today, I know you're sick and tired of being where you are. You're just sick and tired of this. And it crept up on you. You don't know where it came from, but you're living in the middle of a drought. And the only thing that can change it is the life-giving water that comes from Jesus. So today, the question is, are you thirsty? Do you want things to change? Are you thirsty? you'd say, that's me. I'm thirsty. I'm tired of living this dry life. I want to embrace the life that God wants for me. Raise your hand right now. I'm thirsty. I want it. So God, thank you for the men and women in the room today that are bold enough to say to you, I'm tired of things being the way they've been. So God, I ask you, Over the next few moments, God, as we continue to pause, continue to reflect, continue to look at you, God, continue to change our lives. Lead us as we make this decision to follow you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.